Yeah, I learned a lot. I learned that guys can actually have tramp stamps, too. So. Huh? Are you serious? What is that all about, Larry? I don't... First of all, how do you, how do you discover that? Ladies and gentlemen, we Oh my God, we don't have an investigation plan for this weekend. Oh my God, what am I going to do? It's like, you know, get a life. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Let me just pretend for a minute that I'm one of those people. Uh, uh. Now imagine me just staring off into blank space, right? Oh <laughs> Larry, we're going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> Think of all the best parts of some of the, uh, the different uh, movies that are out there and then just imagine this. You know what? Let's just keep moving forward at, at light speed and whoever keeps up, keeps up. Whoever doesn't, throw them. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio with your host, Tim Banal. What is going on, my friends? This is Tim Benall of BenallofAmerica.com with another edition of BOA Audio Season 6. Got a lot to talk about here at the beginning of the show, so let's just get into the madness. First of all, I want to give a big thanks, of course, to our buddy Pete Diggins for providing the theme music to this installment of the program. Check out Pete's website, www.orophonic.com. A-U-R-O-P-H-O-N-I-C dot com. Now, uh, I want to address some unfortunate news, and that is, of course, the passing of a couple of big names here in the world of the paranormal over the last few days. First of all, this past weekend, the world of abduction research lost its veritable founder in the legendary Bud Hopkins. I was really honored to have the opportunity to speak with Bud two years ago for BOA Audio Season 4. It was a thrilling conversation for me. I really loved his book, Art, Life, and UFOs, and thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. He was a tremendous force in the world of not just UFO studies, but also the world of the paranormal at large, and he will be greatly, greatly missed, and his family should be tremendously proud of what he accomplished. He changed the world, my friends. Bud Hopkins, a true esoteric icon. My heart and thoughts and prayers go out to his friends and family. Additionally, I would be remiss if I did not remember another person that passed away this past week, and that was Stuart Miller from the UK. He was the man behind Alien Worlds as well as UFO Review. Unfortunately, his passing just slipped right past me. Uh, happened towards the end of this past week, and I hadn't really heard about it until the weekend. Stuart Miller did some yeoman's work in the world of ufology and the paranormal, getting out tons and tons of news stories day after day with UFO Review. And what many people probably don't realize is that Stuart Miller was one of the very early supporters of BOA and BOA Audio. He was really a big help in getting the word out about this program when we were first starting out. And I always remembered that and 
when I read the news about Stuart Miller passing away, I was just really saddened by it. I was really uh, wishing that I had been in better touch with him in the last few years. So much like with Bud Hawkins, my heart and thoughts and prayers go out to the friends and family of Stuart Miller. He will be greatly missed as well. Now let's try and turn these frowns upside down and get into the business here of this week's installment of BOA Audio. Our guests are mainstays of the program, Larry Flaxman and Marie Jones, and they are returning for their annual Paranormal Jam session. And in this year's installment, we're going to cover their new book, The Trinity Secret, and all the weirdness surrounding the number three. From there, then, we're going to go completely off the page, and it just turns into a free-flowing conversation in a huge way as we get into their thoughts and feelings about the problems and annoyances surrounding the world of ghost hunting and the paranormal community as a whole. Really, it was almost difficult for me to write the uh, trademark BOA recap on the uh, BOA show page for this one because... This thing just sort of flowed. There weren't really questions or anything. It was just sort of a natural conversation. And uh, we touch on a whole bunch of stuff. We turn around and go back to stuff. We really just sort of uh, let the conversation flow wherever it wants to go. Marie and Larry have been on the program so many times by now that, to be quite honest, and I think you may notice this uh, once you start listening to the episode, it actually kind of was weird for us just to sort of get going on the program because we'd spent the first 10 minutes goofing around and talking and then it was like well we better start taping this show so people can start listening to this so it was like all of a sudden we kind of all got stiff and uh realized we were being listened to if you will but that melts away as we get going into the conversation and then it's right back to where we were when we all got on the phone at the beginning and it's just unbelievable. It really is quite the conversation with Marie and Larry. It's no holds barred from them and me as well as we get into stuff that gets on our nerves here in the world of Esoterica. Altogether, really, it is a tremendously raw edition of the program, which takes you to the proverbial hotel bar as we keep it real with Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman. I know that's a figure of speech, but trust me, my friends, this one really is as real as real can get. This is what a true conversation amongst the three of us sounds like, and it is all over the place, but incredibly enlightening as to how these tremendous researchers of the paranormal feel about their place in the community and the community as a whole. Given that this is a dual guest episode, we're going to do an end run here around the bios for the two guests. Of course, Marie Jones is the author of Science, and Larry is the founder of Our Past, the Arkansas Paranormal and Anomalous Studies team. Collectively, they've written a number of books, including 1111, The Time Prompt Phenomenon, The Deja Vu Enigma, The Resonance Key, and their latest book, The Trinity Secret. Collectively, they are known as the Para Explorers, and you can find out more from them at their website, www.paraexplorers.com. Check it out. So with all that said, let's get down to business and rock and roll. This interview was recorded on June 20th, 2011. Larry Flaxman and Marie Jones 
talking about the Trinity Secret and their take on the world of paranormal studies on BOA Audio Season 6. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of BOA Audio Season 6, and it is our annual uh, tradition here on the program, welcoming back two of our good buddies here on the program. I could spend a large portion of the interview just talking about how fantastic they are. Uh, Marie, I believe this is her fourth time on the show, Marie Jones, and folks, she is absolutely amazing, and I hate to use this qualifier, but I'm going to say it because it, it bears saying Genre for genre, she is the very best of the best of of the women in the world of esoterica. She is just so sharp and doing such amazing research, and I put her over all the time to people, always, and I'm always recommending her stuff. So she's back on the show. She's blushing like crazy, I'm sure, right now, and Larry's probably trying to snipe like giggle. No, I'm just trying to figure out how much I owe you later. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's Larry. No, I'm just kidding. Larry Flaxman. Oh, boy. I can honestly say I have more fun talking to Larry every year than just about any guest we have on the show. I have so many laughs. And it's not just that he's so funny and sharp and quick. It's that he understands this genre in a way that a lot of people don't. And he doesn't take it too seriously, but at the same time, he takes it very seriously with regards to trying to get to the bottom of of what's behind all this. So... You know, Larry, you know, he comes off as he, – he's got the, the banal vibe. I've heard people say that, that, you know, I sort of come off as the everyman. Larry does too, and, and that's why I love talking to him so much. So, you know, those are my deeply personal introductions for my good friends. What is going on over there, Larry? What are you, washing your dishes no, or something? Larry, what are you doing? No, that's not me. I'm not – I'm sitting here in my chair. I'm not doing anything. Uh-oh. We have a spirit on the line. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm doing anything. Larry, put the pork rinds down and let's get down to business here. Oh God! So, no, there has been no pork rinds. Are you you settling in your chair? You must have. You must. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, that those are my introductions for my good buddies here. Marie, welcome back to the show. Larry, welcome back. Also, love talking to you guys. Can't wait to get down to business. Thank you. Good to be back. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Tim. Oh, my pleasure. Please, you kidding me? As soon as I sat down to start scheduling the interviews here for the summer, I was like. I got to get these guys on the line. Now you got a new book came out this spring. It's called The Trinity. I guess you know that sort of fills in the blanks of uh what you guys have been up to in the past year. But before we get into The Trinity, you know, it's been a year. How have you been and and what's been going on? And uh Brother. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll start with you, Marie, since you <laughs> Oh, gee, thanks. Since you, Tired, since you started there. Burnout, exhausted, working my ass off. What what else do you expect from me, Tim? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> My fingers in about eight thousand different pies. Well, that's Same old. what's that? What's that? Same old thing. <laughs> there you go. All right, all right. <laughs> She's teasing us here with other other exciting things that we're going to get into here over the course of the show. How about you, Larry? What's been what's been going on with you, buddy? How you been? Uh, good, about the same. Uh, it seems like Marie, Marie and I always have uh, some huge project that we're working on, and uh, since last time we've talked to you, that's definitely no different. So we've been staying really busy, very, very, very busy. And it's been so damn hot. Is it hot where you are? It's pretty hot. Yeah, it's about. Yeah, it was like yeah. in the 90s today. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm in Southern California. Yeah, Beautiful. Marie's got it like made where she's at, but yeah, it's like super <laughs> freaking hot here. Yeah, it's it's hot, but Marie, yeah, Marie lives in the biodome that is San Diego. <laughs> the perfect weather. 
Yeah, until Christmas time, and then it's like you know, Christmas lights on palm trees, and you want to, you know, yeah, that is you want to cry. That is true. Every now and then we get a little bit of wind, but yeah. So all right, so <laughs> <laughs> so the the what you've been up to, I'm sure we're going to end up getting into here. So how about the Trinity? Let's talk about this now. In the past, we've had you on the show sometimes. You know, you attribute the the origins of of the book to the publisher's idea, or other times it comes from you guys, and, and we we've explored that in a number of ways uh, here on the show. So, what's what's the story behind the Trinity? How did this come about this time around? This was our idea. Um, we had finished the Deja Vu Enigma, and uh, we decided to offer a new page. We wanted a two book deal. We wanted to lock in two books, mm-hmm. and so the Trinity Secret was something that. We kind of got into a little bit in 11.11, oh, yeah. the number three, and we kept thinking, you know, we really need to go back to that. There's a, a lot of stuff that we just don't have time now to cover, but there's really something interesting about this number three. So when the opportunity came after Deja Vu Enigma came out, we thought, all right, let's go ahead and do this. So it was our idea. You know, it's funny because I was just thinking about this before. It's almost like every other book is our idea or the publisher's idea. Yeah. Um, we have one co- that we're working on now that the publisher suggested to us. So nice, nice. All right. So yeah, I can see how this would come organically from eleven eleven because eleven eleven, as we talked about on the show when you guys were on to uh, cover that book, you know, covers not just obviously eleven eleven, but all the different numbers and permutations. Fa- fantastic book. I love that book because right. yeah. I learned so much in there. Uh, you know, about numbers, and it's exciting that you sort of just then expand it into this new book. Yes. I mean, we didn't have enough room to really get into one particular number. So I guess we tucked in the back of our minds that we might might wanted to revisit later the number three specifically, just because it is so pervasive. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you make of that? Because that's obviously sort of the, like you said, was kind of what kickstarted a lot of this. Uh, we'll, we'll go to Larry here. On yeah, this Larry. One. Larry, what, what, you know, what, what makes the uh, the Trinity, or as I like to call it, based on the back of your book, the Triune. Triune. Yeah. So, <laughs> is that going to be your favorite word now? <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm going to. So I'm going to try and work it in into conversations now. Oh, but let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> what you know? What makes the Triune so damn popular? It's such a cool word, you know? <laughs> how, many other, how many other words could you possibly have that sounds as cool as that? Oh, Larry. Now, what, what makes it so popular? The thing that makes it so popular is, is its pervasiveness. It seems like everything revolves around threes. It seems like there's a, a the triadic nature of reality itself uh, revolves around three. And think about the, the, uh, the three little bears. The... Let's see. What are some other good examples of threes that we're all familiar with? Beyond Manny, what's in the Mo book, the Jack. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's what, Marie? Manny, Moe, and Jack. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there Curly. We go. What is it? Larry, Larry Moe, and Curly. Curly and Moe. Larry, Curly, and Moe. <laughs> Three it seems to be a part of everything. So when you ask what's so significant about the triune nature, that's what it is. Everyone has some type of a story that they can relate to something happening with a three. You know, there's there's good, bad, and worse. There is, there's a, someone always has a story about, you know, something revol- involving three. Comes in threes, yeah. Yeah, things time, come in I mean, threes. Yeah. People, right, everyone, some, whoever you talk to, ask them, you know, 
what did they, what experience have they had with something with three? And undoubtedly, someone will have some type of experience that they can relate to that involves three. Now, I'll play devil's advocate here just because, uh, you know, but is it, maybe that's just because it's a simple number and it evolved that way from, like, cave people and stuff like that. Like, I watch Idiot Abroad. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but... uh No. Oh, it's a very funny show. Um, but anyway, like the, 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 the host, he's kind of a, he's kind of a moron, let's say, uh, was an idiot. (laughs) This show's an idiot abroad. And he, he said at some point, cause he was visiting like this tribe in Africa and he was like, uh, you know, people this simple, they really only need to know, uh, they only need to be able to count up to three because, uh, you know, once, it's right. Just, After you know, three is just many. It was one, two, three, and many. Right, um, right. I know what you're saying. Maybe that's ingrained in us, that. though. It goes way beyond that because we we are a species that lives with duality. Mm-hmm. Dark, light, good, evil, day, night, um, you know, opposites. And so the number three is the unifier of opposites. And that is why it's widely recognized in every religion. In every uh, culture's mythology and their creation stories, their origin myths, they revere the number three. If you look at the yin-yang symbol, it's a perfect example. You've got the two dualities, but they're encompassed in one circle. And that circle itself is like the third unifying element. So three has long been considered the perfect number. And yeah, again, it's a very simple concept, but it's also very profound, and it was one that was recognized by, you know, most of the real wise sages throughout the years. Interesting. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so this this reverence of the Trinity goes back even beyond probably, uh, well, certainly, I'm sure, the, uh, you know, the, Way back. the, the religious trappings yeah, of, of the Holy taken. Trinity. Sure, yeah. I mean, the Catholics, you know, they, they borrowed from paganism straight on through. Yeah. I mean, most... Uh, traditional religions did. Uh, but the three was, yeah, it was probably a very primitive concept as well. Uh, you know, birth, life, death. Uh, they would look around at the cycles of nature and they would see that, that it sort of had a threefold nature to it. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. You talk about that in the book, that it's not just it's not just this, like, man-made concept, the, uh, the importance and, and sort of the pervasiveness of the three. It happens around us whether we want it to or not, whether we, right. you know, whether we conceive of it or not. Yeah, I don't think it was forced. Where, like, the number seven, I think, is a human-driven popular number. Yeah. And in other words, there's no real natural or organic reason why the number seven should be important, except that somebody decided it was a lucky number and it just sort of took. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the number three, it was something people could, primitive people could actually see. And it represented creation itself, how the process worked, the three levels of creation. We have three different brains. We've got three levels of consciousness. You know, it just it, it goes all the way through into science, mythology, religion, philosophy, genetics. Pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. You're very spot on. I mean, you know, going back to your question, too, you never hear about people having experiences with twos. You know, you, you never hear anyone having some type of a significant uh, event in their life that that two it, it revolves around twos or or fives or sixes or sevens you know it's always three is definitely the most prevalent and the most ingrained uh, into who we are I mean most most people like I said before when you ask them about um, experiences with numbers you know three undoubtedly is going to be one of the most popular ones 
or something will have happened to them three times. I mean, Larry mentioned before, you know, fairy tales and folklore, even our human language, is embedded with threes. And there's a reason why there's three bears, three little pigs, three kittens, three billy goats, three wishes, three challenges, three obstacles, because it, subconsciously that symbol is understood to be the progress towards perfection. Just, you know, again, it unifies duality. So if you have two little pigs, it's not going to be as effective. You need that third little pig that brings together the resourcefulness, the wisdom, the strength, the courage of the other two combined in order to finally reach perfection and overcome the obstacle. And that is pervasive, again, in our storytelling where you have three-act structure, beginning, middle, end. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, the, the idea of the hero's journey where you have initiation challenge, culmination, it's just everywhere. It, and I think we relate to that. In the, telling the stories of our own lives, we kind of understand our lives have three parts to them. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm hesitant to get into the, the, the quote-unquote secret of the book, but I have a feeling that having read aspects of that in, in the book, I was surprised sort of the, the path he went down in a way. Um, yeah, so are we. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, Larry and I were like, whoa, you know, this is really different for us, but it felt right. You know, we're trying to branch out into a lot of different directions, um, and it just, it, again, it was kind of organic. We started out with numbers, and then we got into the symbolism of, of that number, and then you find out how incredibly profound and simple it is. And it pretty much describes the act of or the process of creation itself. And I really think that the Roman Catholics understood that when they adopted their version of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think they just changed the language around a little bit, but it's the same process. The the really interesting thing to me when we were writing the book, too, was, was the was the amount of other religions that have also adopted uh, some type of ideology involving the number three. I mean, that you know, my background is I'm Jewish, right? So I didn't think there was anything in my religious background that involved the number three. I thought, you know, the Trinity is strictly a Catholic-type concept. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, there is, absolutely. There's there's a lot of writing about the number three in, in the Jewish Kabbalah, which I had absolutely no idea about. But, you know, as we did the research for the book and we started to, get more exposure to not only the religious uh, implications of three, but, you know, all implications of three. I mean, it, it was just fascinating. And to be able to, for, for myself, probably the most um, enriching part of writing the book really was doing the research and just learning about how other religions have these same type of uh, basic ideas about the number three. They all call it different things, but it all basically refers to the same type of concept. And what I like about you guys, and I, I talked about this when we did the eleven eleven book, is that you really do dig into this stuff and come up with such amazing information. Like, has anyone, like, before we talked about it, and like we, the other book was just numbers, really, and it was like, but no one's thought to go down this path, as far as I knew, you know. And I'm sure in, in disparate areas they had. So, I mean, has has three been explored to the extent that you guys have done with this book? Hell no. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no. yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, I mean, we are groundbreakers. <laughs> but, I mean, we are. What we do is we take a subject matter, we compile everything we can find that's related to it. Yeah. You know, we pack it into one book, and we blow people's minds because nobody is willing to do that kind of research. 
You know, they may take one aspect of it. I have a bunch of books on the Trinity that are written from a religious perspective. Right. I have one from a philosophical perspective. None really take on all of the different types of symbolism that we did. So, I mean, you know, we're not bragging, but one of the reasons why we agreed to work together was to do this very thing. It's like, you know what? Nobody's making an awful lot of inroads in certain areas, so let's go do it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't. You shouldn't feel bad and say, you know, that you're not bragging or whatever. I mean, you deserve the the, the yeah. you know no, the praise. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I'm I'm serious. You know, you do some amazing stuff here and and stuff that a lot of people just wouldn't put the work in to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the numbers book. I, if I tried to write that, I would have given up like halfway through, maybe a quarter. You know what of the way else through. though, Tim, <laughs> that people tell us is that they they always say, "I never would have made the same connections." How did you make that mm-hmm. connection? That's brilliant. And that is what we're really good at. It's, we're finding connections and links, even if, you know, the stuff that we do that's a little more paranormal-oriented. Right. Um, and I think it's kind of put us outside the middle of the paranormal community, if you will, because we're not just sticking to the tried and true. Um, right, so right. So we have fans, but we also have people that think that, you know, they're not they, – they don't know anything. They're not really involved in the paranormal. But it's like, wait a second. We are. We're just right. taking it to the next level that you guys can't even make the connections to. Yeah, we're keeping it real. Exactly. Keeping it real. <laughs> but also seeing beyond what's going on, you know, right in front of everybody's noses. You've got to look a little bit further down the road. Exactly. I, I, I You know, I'm just – that that angers me to think that people in the paranormal community would say that. Those people that think that, they're playing checkers while you guys are playing chess. And, yeah. and that's really what's going on here with, with these books. So It's I mean, really frustrating. I mean, for, for both of us, um, especially the last couple of months, I felt a real need to just get away from that entire community because they're spinning their wheels and... You know, you try to encourage them to come off that hamster wheel, and they just do not want to get off of it. No, but Marie, if you look at it from from the bigger perspective, look at all the problems that are in the in the community as a whole, and look how many times that you know that there's been people that have brought that to to the public eye, and how many times has that actually changed? It it, it hasn't. I mean, no, I know. The normal community, unfortunately, you know, as I know, we're both a part of, but unfortunately, we're our own worst enemies. Yeah. Not well, not not you and me, our own worst enemies, but you know what I mean. The community, yeah, the community as a whole, at large, yeah, it's right. focused and on fame and, and it is. I mean, I, I think the most part, a lot of these people have lost. Well, okay, let me let me say, I think a lot of the people that are involved in the field have either never had the true motivation in the first place, right? In other words, they watch these shows on TV and they think, oh, cool, I'm going to be a ghost hunter and get my own TV show and, and not work for a plumbing company anymore, right? <laughs> or, <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> right, or they've lost sight of it along the way. They've, yeah. they've started with good intentions and, you know, they, they've really been interested in finding answers to things, but somehow on the journey they've gotten sidetracked. Yeah, and it's very, very unfortunate. I mean, you, you see this every single day. If you look on Facebook, you see all these groups that that start up and then disband on, almost on a daily basis. And there's so much drama and so much uh-huh. crap in the paranormal field. We've, Tim, I know we've talked about that on other shows, so we're not going to belabor the obvious on that. But I think it really speaks to the point of the closed-mindedness of the community as a whole. Yeah, and you know, also, it, yeah, the image thing. I mean, it. it 
getting really sickening where everybody has to have a publicity picture where they, they look like uh, thugs. They have their you arms know, crossed. Leaning back with their arms, arms folded. In front of you. Yep. The girls are all turned to the lean. side, you know, and yep. pushing their cleavage together. It's like, come on. Right. Do any of you have yep. a clue what you are doing? You all look That's pretty. You all look good. Do you know what the hell you're doing? And the answer no. is no. Right. I saw one the other day. I meant to, I meant to uh, forward you this picture, Marie, because it's awesome. It's it's these these two dudes assuming the gangsta pose, and it's a paranormal group. It's oh, um, I won't say where. It was in the Midwest. Uh, you just said assuming the gangsta pose. You know, they've got their arms crossed and they're looking all you know bowed up and cheesy and stuff, and they've got grills in. I'm oh my god! Do not. <laughs> Yeah, you can, they, just, their mouth open. They're not smiling, but you can barely see, clearly see that they both have grills. And I'm thinking, gangster paranormal. Yeah. Is or they're cool. getting their they're getting a theme song, or they've got their their line of products. Yeah, they have a logo. Um, yeah, like before they have a logo before they've done anything. Yeah. You know. And, and you, you know, know what, Murray? Maybe, maybe we're missing out. Maybe we should do that. But yeah, well, we probably would make more money. But I don't, I don't want to stoop that low. I'm sorry. I do have a you little. You don't want a gold grill. But we're talking no, a gold grill. You know what, Larry? We bust our asses to do what we're doing, and. Well, you guys are going to be around, and and you know yeah. these people. These are Johnny Come Latelys that are here to you know. Why they're we, still hanging yeah. on to this ghost thing is beyond me. But it's frustrating. Would you, Murray, would you think less than me okay. if I had a, if I got a grill? I would think that you were a jackass if you got a grill. Oh, man. That's the last <laughs> thing I want to do. I don't want to come off as some douche. I just want to look like a cool gangster paranormal guy. Then you know what you need to yeah. do, Larry? Larry, Larry, you need to take the middle part of your hair at the top and put some gel in it and make it stick up so you look like a duck. That's what you need to do. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try that tomorrow. We'll see if that works. No, I oh, mean, my Tim, God. really, we talk about this a lot. We're We're... Very frustrated. I'm happy to talk about it because, uh, yeah. you know, I'm more than happy to share my opinions on this. And I'm in agreement with you guys. It's ridiculous. And it's not and getting any better. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're feeling like, you know what, let's just keep moving forward at, at light speed. And whoever keeps up, keeps up. Whoever doesn't, screw them. Right. Now, at the risk of, well, I guess I, I was going to say one thing, and then I sort of contradicted myself in my mind before I said it. So, But uh, at the risk of pigeonholing one sort of uh, genre. Do you think this is mostly the ghost hunting? And then as yeah. I was sort of coming up with that, I, I, I also remembered how, you know, how ornery I got at the conspiracy people uh, about about two, six weeks ago when Osama bin Laden was captured or killed yeah. or whatever, well, and they all yeah, freaked out. Crazy and, too. Yeah, they well, had their I own thing going on. I don't see it as much in the, U the UFO field. I'm sure no, it's there. It, it, Hell no! If you look at MUFON, look at an organization like that. You've got a you've got a governing body. They have controls in place. They have a, a yeah. met methodology. That group has matured exponentially in the in the however many years it's been in existence. And you know you you have this this large body that basically sets the standards for how they investigate stuff. Well. In paranormal field, we have no such beast. There's right. been lots and lots of talk about creating these these consortiums of ty of sort and and these unifying uh, organizations. But the plain and simple fact is, it's an awesome idea. If the paranormal had the paranormal field had some controls in place, in other words, if there was some sort of a governing body that created standards for data analysis and for um, simple management of the group and, you know, how to how to 
analyze um, how to analyze data, things like that. Right. Uh, it, it's an awesome idea, but the simple fact is it'll never happen. Okay. There's way too many egos in the field. There's, you know, a lot of these people, it's mom and pop. They're on a shoestring budget. They don't have the money to spend on the types of equipment, standardized equipment that this, you know, governing body would tell you that you need to, to be able to use. And people aren't going to do it. And, you know, it, a lot of the groups that I come in contact with, this is not a research endeavor for them. This is very much a hobby, a social event. Yeah, I mean, this is, is this, for lack event. of a better term, I mean, it, it's a way to go out on Saturday night, have a shitload of fun, and come home scared, you know? Yeah. That, that, that's just a way that they can, that, that's how they get off on a Saturday night. And you can't relate with a group like that. You can't try to put controls on an organization like that because it's right. not even in the same. Their motivation is different. Their Absolutely. agenda is different. Absolutely. Right. And, Larry and I wrote an article for, for Tap Magazine a while back on the addictive nature of ghost hunting because, you know, you get that cortisol and the adrenaline going. Yeah. And it actually does become addictive. It's like gambling. Um, so you have a lot of people that just, you know, I saw something on Facebook a couple of days ago. Oh, my God, we don't have an investigation plan for this weekend. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? It's like, you know, get a life. That's what you're going to do. And it just tripped me out. It's like, oh, man, if I ever get like that, shoot me. But it is. I mean, for a lot of people, this is social. It's fun. And that's okay. But do yeah. not present yourself as being serious and scientific. Say the truth. We are a social right. group. We love to go out and go hunt. We have a blast, you know, but we're not ser that serious about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the, the guys playing down the park, you know, playing a game of pickup basketball, they're not, you know, they're not in the NBA. So. Yeah. Exactly. You know, another right. thing too, Larry, why this probably doesn't happen in UFO, in the UFO field is because the immediacy of the experience is gone. Right. So, right? When you go investigate a UFO report, it's already happened. Sure. Whereas you go on a ghost hunt and something might actually happen while you're there. So it's a whole different ball game. Right, right. We're talking about almost a, almost like, like a phenomenon in a way, which is the, the, you know, the social part of what, what right. you're saying. In, in, the, the, you know. the idea that maybe something will happen tonight at this location. Whereas in MUFON, you know, we went out days after the sighting sometimes and you just interview people and you look for physical traces, but the immediacy is not there. And I think that's what gets people hooked. Yeah, I think so too. By the way, Tim, Larry and I met for the first time ever in Atlanta last weekend. Wow, that was the first time you guys ever met? First time yep. ever. Wow. Yeah. Should have got that grill, Larry. <laughs> I thought I know, it was really, the biggest right? douchebag. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was a blast. It was such a blast. It really was. Wow. It was, it was a very, a, definitely a very seminal trip. I, I, yeah, I learned a lot. I learned that guys can actually have tramp stamps, too. So, huh? Are you serious? What is that all about, Larry? I don't. First of all, how do you a, how do you was, discover that? Well, there was a dude that was obviously, and I'm I'm not trying to uh, insult any of your homosexual listeners, but uh, there was a guy that was obviously very um, gay uh, that was walking around the conference with a very very short, uh, like a belly shirt, like you'd see on a female. This was a guy, but he had a he had a tramp stamp, a dude. Wow! Oh man! Did you not see that guy, Marie? I didn't see I, him. Yeah, he, yeah. I think he was running around with the well-known psychics entourage. Oh, was there. okay. Yeah. Jesus. No, we had we had a good time. It was a good conference. We yeah, it was really, pretty awesome. Really? Did good you know time. that, Tim? Did you know guys actually get tram stamps? No, this is news to me. 
This is yeah, news totally to me. Yeah, totally was to me, too. Well, guys, I, maybe it's a Atlanta phenomena. He's a male tramp. Not, yeah. Well, I've not seen it in Arkansas. Maybe that is specifically an Atlanta type thing. <laughs> He's a mamp, a male tramp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's something that really pops up much in Arkansas, I'm guessing. No, I, I didn't um, see that. I missed that. No. Well, you missed out on that one. Larry, you're no, it was it was an awesome conference. We got to yeah. meet for the first time. We we presented an amazing presentation, an amazing two hour presentation. Now, what was this? Let's let's talk about this. Now, I feel bad because I I mean the new book Trinity it's amazing, but I haven't talked to you guys in a year, I and know. there's tons. Yeah, of, we got a lot of catching up to do. As I said before the yeah. show started, you got a lot of fucking shit going on here, and <laughs> let's get a banner that says that. Larry Flaxman, Marie Jones, Pair Explorers. They've got a lot of fucking shit going on. Yeah. I like be, it. That's going to be I our, like our motto. Now, yeah, I'm serious though. You guys, I was, I went to the website. You have tons going on there. So let's, let's sort of, we'll, we'll, we'll probably go back to Trinity one more time. But where can folks get it? Obviously, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that stuff, right? Everywhere. Everywhere right. books are sold. It is a real book. It is not a self-published book. <laughs> that's oh. another thing that's bothering me lately is every idiot's got a book out and. You know, like yeah. you really need to write a book about the ghosts of uh, yeah. Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm an author. Oh, really? Who's your publisher? Well, I'm self-published. Oh, good for you. Kinko's. Uh, Kinko's is my publisher. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's partially, you know, why I don't have any books yet. I'm waiting for the... For the good book deal. You know what? It's not that every self-published book is bad. No, no, no. What happens is you're, you're oversaturating the market with crap so that it gets really, really hard to identify the good self-published books. And in a lot of cases, if you can't get a traditional publisher, it probably wasn't worth publishing publishing in the first. I mean, it's different for fiction. That's a whole different ballgame. But, you know, with these paranormal books, I've seen some that look pretty decent, and I've seen some that look like, you know, they stapled uh, construction paper. Together. Oh, you're talking about like, even the actual construction of it. Yeah. Right, production. right. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some excellent self-published books out there. We don't mean there to like are, diss on are. people, but at the same yeah. time, it's, it goes back to what we're saying about standards and, you know, we don't want to be the, we don't want to be like the police of the paranormal. It's like I stand firmly against that whole thing. But at the same time, I, I wish sort of like there was a little more the idea of, I guess, you know, consumers vote with their dollar or, or you know, right. people yeah, who are interested vote with their time of, of investment. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the bar has been lowered so much in this field that, um, you know, everybody's got a book out, everybody's got a CD or a DVD of their investigation of, you know, the warehouse down the street last night. And it's like, you know what, how do we take anything seriously? When we're just throwing every damn thing out there, it's, it's I don't know, it, it's frustrating to me because I think that oversaturation of material, how are people who really have an interest in this field going to find the good stuff when they're just overwhelmed with crap? Well, here's an interesting sort of point, and uh, I know Larry... Obviously, Larry, I'm, I'm sure, you know, now that you're this highfalutin author and, and you know, mm-hmm. paranormal celebrity that you don't oh, have as God. much time as you'd like to to devote to the, to the ghost hunts and stuff. But I know that you used to dabble in that realm. So Yeah, no, I still do. Okay. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> I, thought, I was trying to put you over as some kind of highfalutin celebrity, Larry. You're not helping me here. Oh, well, no. No, no, Parasolent. remember? What's that? Remember, I eat pork rind. <laughs> yeah, he's a pork rind eating para celeb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but uh, 
it, I felt for a while that sort of the UFO field has reached this level of, um, I guess you could say, scientific inquiry saturation. You know, this is not, we're not get, we can't go any further with this anymore. Yeah, and I feel true. like I'm wondering, you know, why hasn't the ghost field reached that level yet? Because no matter, I guess maybe it's this deeply personal thing. Like if you and your two friends go out and you do a ghost hunt, then, you know, that EVP is your EVP. You know, it's I better know. than all the other ones. But at the same time, it's like across the board – if you couldn't have asked for a better, I wish the UFO phenomenon had this kind of popularity in a sense, because maybe then we'd crack the case open. Because if you think about it, there must be hundreds of people out there every there weekend there trying there to get ghost evidence, mm-hmm. and it's been going on for five to six years at least, and they have come up with squadoosh. Nothing. Wait, you know why, Tim? I'll tell you why. It's because the people in the ghost field, all they give a damn about is evidence and data. They don't well, take it to the next step except for people like us. In the right. U- in the UFO field, you have a lot of people who are really trying to put the science to the phenomenon, but you get to a certain point where you just, you know, you run out of theories because we can't prove anything, mm-hmm. but they're still trying. I do not seem to see that same thing going on in the ghost hunting field. Nobody is working on theories except for people who are on the perimeter like us. All right, well, I'm going to turn my rant mode on for just a minute. Too. Nice. Fire it up. Here's another issue that I have, and this this pisses me off endlessly. You, there are all these groups that are out there that claim to be scientific, you know, mm. that they, they approach <laughs> things from a scientific perspective. And as as a person that runs an organization that truly does approach things as much as possible, and of course it's a hundred it's impossible to do it a hundred percent strictly because you you don't have control over every variable like you really should right. but it, we 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 do as close as as physically possible right. it pisses me off that there's all these groups that are out there saying we are a scientific based research organization, and then you start asking well. Tell me a little bit about your methodology. How do you attempt to control the environment? What exactly are you studying? How are you how are you analyzing this data? And you get these blank dumb stares. You know, these <laughs> these are people people that are talking about having this scientific background that don't have a college degree more than likely, and they sure as hell don't have any kind of a science background. Even, you know, chemistry one oh one or physics one oh one is, you know, way beyond them. I speak at a lot of conferences, Marie does too, but I speak at a lot of conferences and I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a conference and I've spoken about uh, ghost hunting from a scientific perspective and, you know, we talked about earlier how one of the things that I think differentiates Marie and my ability from everyone else out there is that we're able to take these very complex topics and make them very uh, simple to digest and understand. Absolutely. I go to these conferences and I, I try to talk about the science of ghost hunting from a physics perspective, but making it as easy, as easy as possible for these people to understand it. And I look out into the audience, Tim, and I swear to God, I see blank stares. <laughs> I see people that are just, you know, they're tapping their fingers, they're looking straight ahead, they're, you know, uh-huh. people falling asleep. And it's not because I'm a boring speaker, it's because they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But yet they're in a scientific group. Larry, didn't you tell me that somebody once said to you that they were scientific because they had equipment? Are you the one who yeah. told me that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I did. that's the yeah. criteria yeah. To, for being I went scientific out and I bought that you have a forty-nine dollar. I went out and bought a forty-nine dollar K two meter off eBay. So by God, my I'm group that is scientific, scientific now. Right. That's the criteria, and it's like, wait a second. You know, do you, do you have a okay. clue what you're doing? 
Now, this, here's the second part of my rant, too. Beyond these groups <laughs> have no scientific clue whatsoever, you also have the, the same type of mindset of folks that have absolutely no understanding whatsoever of environmental dynamics. They're looking in very specific, they're looking for very specific things using very specific specialized equipment. Let's take the, let's take the EMF meter, for instance. You see every ghost hunter on TV carrying around an EMF meter, right? The thing goes off and they all freak out because there's a ghost right there that's about to manifest. <laughs> No, it is not. First of all, an EMF meter was designed, the, the purpose of an EMF meter was for, for basically two things. It was to detect stray radiation from microwaves, and it was also more primarily designed for electrical functions, looking for ungrounded uh, breaker boxes, looking for electrical wiring anomalies, um, things like that. What makes you think that a ghost is a, is a, is a 60 hertz entity? You know, a 110 volt AC line, an EMF meter is going to pick up. Why do you think that that has anything to do with what a ghost or spirit or whatever it is right. is? So they're using these pieces of equipment incorrectly, but more importantly, they're using the wrong pieces of equipment. We, I think, and Marie and, and me have written very extensively about this. I think we're looking in the wrong place, and that's something that ghost hunters have just not gotten. They just, you know, they, they've completely embraced what they've seen on TV. They've just not gotten it through their heads that, you know what, guys, we've been doing this for, well, hell, we've been doing this since the 1860s, basically since the, the birth of the spiritualist movement. So we've been doing this for well over 100 years now, 150 years of paranormal research. And, Tim, like you said, we, we don't have, what would you say? You had the word douche in there. Squadouche. Yeah, we have squadouche to show for it. <laughs> You know, that to me would, would signal very, you know, very, a very bright beacon that we're either doing something wrong or we're looking in the wrong place. You know, maybe we're using all these great pieces of tech technology. We're using all these, we have these great ideas of how to analyze data. But you know what? We're looking in the wrong place at the wrong yeah. thing. We're going to get the wrong answers. Well, then what do you suggest? Where is the right place to look then? What is the one Thing. I'm, I'm asking you this, Tim. Okay. On every paranormal event, every single paranormal phenomena that's ever been reported from the beginning of time, go all the way back to the beginning of time when, when the first <laughs> ghost was, was seen, back to the caveman days. Okay. What is the one thing that's present in every single one of those encounters? Every one of those encounters. One common denominator. The witness? Absolutely. Yeah. You as the, the observer. observer. Mm-hmm. That is not being studied in the paranormal field. And the, the groups that are studying it are studying a very, 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 very limited subset of that. Right. We play an integral, a very integral role in the manifestation of these things or the, the perceived manifestation of these things. How many groups do you know of that are actually doing any type of, any type of EEG research on their, their investigators during an investigation? How many groups do you know that are actually studying uh, dopamine levels in the brain during a paranormal event or studying things that are actually happening physiologically to us when these events are supposedly occurring. None. There's very few groups out there with the exception of mine and maybe one or two other groups that are doing anything like that. That's why there's no answers. I, we're looking in the wrong place. People are looking for an external phenomena, and I'm not saying that ghosts, that ghosts may not be some type of an external phenomena, but we're focusing 100% on checking for stray AC voltage and things when, right. you know, the, the thing that's much, much more blatant and much, much more obvious 
we're not even paying attention to whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, thankfully, I've heard that sort of perspective uh, growing in recent years. So it's not like this hasn't been lost on the more you know progressive thinkers in the world of well, paranormal. Right, not, yeah. I'm not even talking about like. I'm, I'm talking more. I hear that from people in the UFO community than uh, than the. Yeah. I try not to even get involved with the ghost community. They they they're gross. Like Jersey Shore, you know. Like I feel like they're like all like people from the Jersey Shore. Yeah, exactly. It's like a big reality show, you know. Right, right. Like they're all out at dance clubs or something after yeah, they go out ghost hunting. Or they're just too young. Real world. Crazy for me. Yeah. The real world paranormal. <laughs> yeah, but you know did another you, did thing you see too is. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, Tim. Did you see that they uh, ghost hunters had the real. Housewives of whatever oh, on one God, of their shows. That was ridiculous. Oh God! See, you know, I mean, they, they had them as guest investigators on, on one of their shows. I mean, really? Well, in a way, I feel like it. it in a way, too, it's sort of. Uh, I kind of laugh in a sense that they have like the celebrity ghost story show now because now it's like, haha, you silly weekend ghost hunters. They've taken exactly. they've taken it away from you. You're not even yeah. important enough with your right, ghost exactly. stories anymore. Now the You're celebrities are taking her. it. Right. Ghostbusters, what do you want? You're listening to Banal of America Audio. You have been a participant in the biggest interdimensional cross-rip since the Tunguska Blast of 1909. Felt great. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Okay. I just keep waiting for this bubble to burst, but I, they, apparently they have some new ghost hunting show where teams of ghosts... You should, uh, you should watch this one, Larry. You might... It would really, uh, it would really make your Paranormal blood, blood. challenge. Yes. Yes. Have you heard of this yeah, one, Larry? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, my friend John Oliver was telling me about that at the conference uh, last weekend. He was he was telling me a little bit about it. I mean, it sounds like a cool idea. He was like, "Yeah, man, you should be a judge on this." Well, here here's my deal with that. I'm not any I'm not qualified to be a judge. I don't think anyone that's on the show is qualified to be a judge. How do you judge a group's methodology and a group's uh, research potential and and how they're actually conducting investigation when we don't even know what what the hell we're even studying? How can right. you act as a subject matter expert in, in a subject that there are no experts in? Right. Well, I have to send the review I read to you guys because uh, it was interesting. It was. Uh, I, I, I wish I had sent it earlier. Yeah, uh, I actually I watched the show. I heard I it was very it sexist, YouTube. actually. It, it so was, maybe you can was, speak to that. I heard like that it was. It was like boys versus girls, and and, yeah, and it was there was a lot of like ridiculous. sort of crass remarks about about the lady ghost hunters, which is sort of like. It just goes back to what I feel like is this juvenile nature of, of what mm-hmm. ghost hunting has become. Yeah, I may actually be on, and if I am... Oh, no, really? I am going to use it as a, as a soapbox to really lay down the gauntlet. Um, if, you know, that's the Why, have they invited you on, or is on. this just... I was asked to, to possibly go on, but the only... You know, I was telling Larry, well, you know, should I? But I'm thinking, if that happens... The only way I'm going to do it is if I have the opportunity to speak my mind, and believe me, I will. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it, Marie. Don't lower yourself to that. You're you're a fantastic exactly. researcher who's put out some right. outstanding but, but books, an and they they flop around on the Travel Channel. Yeah, but what an opportunity to get on camera and say, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Yeah, but you I'm, know, you know I'm yeah, sure you think that one would make it off the editing room. Right, <laughs> right. It might. I'm sure a lot of people who show up on the Penn and Teller show feel the same way too, and then they watch it, and you know, they're called you know what's fucking funny, idiots though, and Tim? stuff. Um, I mean, Larry and I, you know, we we talk about it all the time, and it's like, well, we really would love to do a show that's very science oriented, but that's not what people want. Right. But but. We have some people now who are looking around for us. Good. Pretty high-powered people that finally recognized what we are doing. And, you know, 
we're going to go out and see if we can find a science show. Like, uh, what's the one? Through the Wormhole or uh, Nova, that kind of thing. Right. But a popularized science show, not a paranormal show, and see if we can get you guys on. Now, that, Larry and I would do in a second. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but no. I mean, I think we've separated ourselves from the field um, by accident and on purpose. And, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, it's probably a, a very beneficial thing for us. And it really, really bothers me when, like what Larry was talking about earlier, people who say that, that they are scientific, they don't even know the laws of thermodynamics. They don't no. know how energy and matter behave. They don't know anything about quantum physics. They don't know anything about theoretical physics. They don't know anything about seismology. It, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Hey, hey Marie, <laughs> if, if you can see me right now, I'm gonna, let me just pretend for a minute that I'm one of those people. Uh, uh. Now, imagine me just staring off into blank space, oh, right? <laughs> Larry, we're going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, this one's going to be this one's going to be burning the wires uh, when it goes yeah, out know there. What? But you know what? We're so, hey, who cares? Burned our bridges. Exactly. Not... You know, so I'd be happy to have a ghost hunter on to, uh, you know, refudiate this if the, yeah, if the guy from the Ghost the... Paranormal Challenge Here, Here's the deal. Cool. Marie and, and I both would love nothing better than things to change. <laughs> if yeah. nothing else... You know, maybe blasting some of the some of the crap that goes on in the community. Maybe it's a wake up call for some of these people. And you know, by God, maybe we're going to get some of these people pissed off enough that they're going to want to make some changes and yeah. that they're going to say, you know, you know what, those two were right, and and shit, maybe I should try doing something different. And then maybe you know that'll start a revolution, and maybe the whole paranormal field will change, and people will start playing kumbaya. You know, maybe things will really <laughs> start. Yeah. <laughs> Kumbaya. Well, it's well, better than know, the Jonas Brothers reference from the last the cool time you were on. Will be, yeah, really. Um, or Justin Bieber. <laughs> the cool <laughs> thing will be is that the people that do not want to think will fall by the wayside. Because I really think that there's two different groups of people operating here. Right. The ones that just want to have fun and the ones that actually think about what they're doing and, and have some kind of long-term goal that they're trying to reach. There are so many wannabes out there in the field. I mean, it's, you know, in a way, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of sad for these people. I mean, you know, that they, they want to, they really want to contribute. They really want to do something. They want to be a, a contributing member of the paranormal community, but they're so damn caught up in all the drama and bullshit and, and petty crap that goes on that they, they can't do anything. I mean, it's, it's very it, yeah. No, they can't. And you get it. it it's, it's this nasty, never-ending cycle. And you get stuck in it. And these people just, you know, they just waste away. And it's it's really sad. I mean, you think there are some good groups that have, have gone by the wayside because mm. of that type of drama and because of that type of BS dynamic. Yeah. Well, because they weren't flashy enough, right? They were all normal-looking people doing hard work really trying to think about what they were doing, but they, you know, they didn't have big boobs. The guys weren't all hot looking like movie star actors or they didn't have grills. So they didn't get the attention. Yeah. They're out there operating invisibly and anonymously. But you know what? Who gives a shit? Why do you need the attention? Well, you know, if you really are interested in finding, here's my deal. I could give a shit about the attention. I mean, yeah, it's great. But really, I, I did this before I got you and me, before the two of us were famous. I, I, I would do this after the deal for me is I want to know what the hell happens when, when you die. Mm-hmm. Do we get a second chance? What is it that these experiences people have had for, for hundreds, if not thousands of years, how do you explain those things? That's what I care about. Right. I and care see, less about 
about but, other things. And, I, you know, there's got to be other people like you and me. Well, there are. But there you know are. what, Larry, as writers, the cool thing about it is you put your work out there to get known. You don't have to be famous. It's the work that we are putting out there that we want to become known. You know, if they know who we are, hey, great, fine. But sure. it's not necessary for the writers to become huge celebrities. I want my work to speak for me. You know, exactly, 10, me 20 too. years now, from now or long after I'm dead, I want to know that some of the ideas and theories that I came up with are me and Larry, that somebody took those and expanded on them and found, you know, something, some eureka came out of that Yeah. just because we put that work out there. Exactly, right. yeah. That's what's important. to me. And I think as writers, that's what we get to do, that other people don't have the same luxury. We get to put stuff out there, and it stays out there, and it starts to percolate ideas in other people's minds, and it inspires. I know that, you know, my book, Science, I cannot tell you how many people still email and say, oh, my God, your book led me in a whole different direction. And now the stuff that Larry and I are doing, you know, oh, the resonance scan, never thought about resonance or sound. And, you know, now my group is thinking about doing these experiments. And I mean, that is cool to know that the work that you did hit somebody over the head and made a difference. Exactly. Yeah. I don't care if they know who I am. I love anonymity. You have so much more power when nobody knows who you are. I'll agree with that for (laughs) sure. Totally, totally. Anonymity is power. (laughs) <laughs> I, I hope that it extends way beyond just the ghost hunting community. You know, we, we've written four books together. We're about to, to wrap. Well, I, I wouldn't say oh, wrap absolutely up. Absolutely, it does, Larry. You, you know, we've, that. we've got we've got another book on time travel that's coming out. I mean, Ooh. if nothing else, I hope our zest and our zeal for knowledge and some of the ideas, some of the concepts, some of the well, the conceptual framework around our second book, for instance, things like that, that some of those ideas will actually get out there, like you said, start percolating, start filtering down to all the different other things. I mean, I think there's concepts in the resonance key that could apply to ufology. There's concepts in the deja vu enigma that could apply to ghost hunting. 1111, there's concepts in there that can, that, you know, apply to Egyptology. They apply to sacred structures. I mean, pretty much, you know, anything that's unknown. The Trinity secret, the same thing. I mean, we, we have given people little nuggets of information in all these books that I think could be a, applied across the spectrum oh, of the unknown. And the Trinity and that, Secret, yeah. The Trinity Secret has really opened up the metaphysical, the consciousness field. A lot of the shows that I do that Larry can't be on because they're during the day, you know, and I always try to tell him, you wouldn't believe that how the radio hosts just went nuts over the stuff that we're doing. And it's like, wow. You know, we didn't even realize we were having that kind of impact. So those people will then take something we might have mentioned. And we're not saying we have all the answers, but it's really cool to think you instigate somebody else maybe going out and finding out. Right, Um, you plant the seeds. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. And I think that comes from our passion and our enthusiasm and our love of what we're doing. Well, not only that, I think our reputations as well. Yeah. We both have phenomenal reputations within the field uh, as far as our knowledge and our ability to take those I don't know after this show that may Yeah, I don't know, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) No. I've only alienated one group this show, that's all. (laughs) Who is that? The Walmart shoppers? Oh, this episode. Oh my God, yeah. No, that's okay. I think think we've kind of gone beyond the we need to impress everybody thing. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Hey, you know, at least, uh, you know, people can 
respect <laughs> the honesty, you know. I, oh, you know, on here is sort of like tiptoeing around right. the, the stuff that gets on your nerves. Now, I, I kept messing this up. It's the Trinity Secret. I couldn't read. I have the book here in my I hand. Know. I couldn't see the word secret. So it's I Trinity. I like yelling at the publisher because secret. everybody, the Trinity. No, no, no. Don't you see the word secret? Yeah, they yeah. got it. Yeah. You, you, you. It was kind of, it, yeah, it was a little. So, yeah, Huddle. the Trinity Secret. So, folks, yeah. now what is going on here with 19 Hertz, the movie? You guys have written a movie. Uh, yeah. What's that all about? Well, I, um, I've been working for a long time with this producer-director, Bruce Lucas, and he, lo- he read our books, he loves our books, and he asked us to see if we could come up with an idea based on, you know, he, he kind of left it up to us. So we, yeah. we thought about doing something with Resonance Key, because we're really fascinated by the idea that sound, resonance, vibration um, may affect reality. So we developed the script, and he optioned it. It is now in development um, as of, I believe, last week. I think I updated Larry. We have an entertainment lawyer and a casting director. And nice. We're having a second budget done. It's, a, it's a, going to be a low budget. They're looking for um, universities in the northeast area for the a setting because some of it takes place on a college. Well, it all takes place on a college campus, but for the exterior shots. We're looking for an actual university, and it probably will be in the Long Island area because Bruce has uh, somebody from the Film Commission looking for that. So, yeah, it's going slow, but it's definitely moving. And you guys wrote this movie. We wrote it Larry's first time writing a script. We had so much fun. And the idea is that if if this gets made, there will be a sequel, and we may even do other things, other movies. Yeah. Paranormal-oriented. Uh, what's the matter, Larry? You sound like you don't. No, I'm just, I'm just still frustrated that, that they cut the lesbian love scene out. <laughs> oh, God. That's why I asked if Larry wrote the movie. Yeah, I figured that yeah, there had to be. Yeah. It's, that's probably what's taking so long. It's hard well, to Larry, find. It's like it human centipede on, to find people willing to do that. pages. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> well, come on. I mean, you know. If it God's doesn't move this story right. forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you credit, too, because, like, you... You know, you're saying earlier that you should you have grills and all this, and then people would love you then and all that. And and it's like, it, in a way, the, the the move to make the 19 Hertz as the movie, like you guys could have done 1111 the movie, got Jim Carrey in it, and would have you know could have sat around forever and, and relaxed because uh, you know people would go gaga over just 1111. So it's like right. you actually no, you went down the he, difficult he, road and and and. Well, he was too busy focused. doing movie a movie about penguins. Penguins, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I come from a fiction and film background, so I'm kind of going back to my origins here. But also it's just the idea that that we can reach more people by going off in this route, too, you know, while we're doing the, the nonfiction books and everything. Yeah. Because, um, you know, film, TV, whatever, it's another way of educating people, even if it's under the guise of storytelling. In fact, I think it's much more uh, impactful. Yeah, and plus it's like, you know, the greatest form of advertising for the book. I mean, more people are going to see the movie than read the book, then go get the book afterwards, hopefully. Exactly. We have concepts in that script that are based on some of the real research we did in the resonance game. That is the most fun part, to take, you know, some real stuff that you're doing and fictionalize it. It's like, oh, this is so cool. Cameos in the movie? You guys going to have some? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Larry. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to insert myself in the lesbian, lesbian love scene, but 
then it wouldn't be lesbian. Duh. Well, you know, but maybe I'll be, like, watching through a window or something. Oh, there you go. I don't know how much that has to do with the plot, but, yeah, it could be workable. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, just to see. Now I'm just imagining Larry, like, peering through the window. And it's, yeah, like a psychopath. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of creepy, Tim. I don't know. <laughs> like that alien yeah. video that came out a few years ago. Uh, right. <laughs> just insert a, a lesbian love scene in the foreground. There you go. Oh, man. All right. That's so that's sort of like, as with all movies, they take a while. People don't realize that. Oh, you know? God. Well, especially if you're doing it independent. If you're not trying to go to a big studio, people do not realize how much work, how much patience, how much time goes into it. Right. But if you make that sale, you're in. You know, and like Bruce is always telling me, because we have a bunch of projects that we're trying to set up. And it's like, just one. All you need is one. And then boom, boom, boom. They want to know what else you have. What right. else you have. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, we want to do a little bit of everything. But we want it to be tactful and good, (laughs) except for the sex scenes. Well, you know, what is the (laughs) – can you tell me a little more about the plot of the film, if you if you can? It's just sort of a you know, what's the what's the pitch? What's the thumbnail here on on the on? Uh, well, the 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 uh, logline is the frequency of fear. Ooh. And all we can say. Okay. Oh God, Larry, help me out here. Is uh, it's about a. You know, if I was like going through the cable guide and it had like yeah. the two sentences in it, what would it say? You know, a young temptress. Let's see. Gosh, it's kind of a cross between. Did you ever see the the, uh, the TV series many 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 years ago called Sliders? Yeah. Well, they like jump dimensions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it kind of it, it. It has some elements of sliders in there. There's some elements of uh, time travel. There's some elements of of ghostly stuff. There's I mean, it's kind of a lot of different types of fictional genres put together in a way that really is very, um, really organic. It just really works the way we, we have it written. Think of all the, the best uh, parts of, of some of the, uh, the different uh, movies that are out there, and then just imagine this. Yeah, if we had to give it like one <laughs> plot line, it would be a, a, a college professor uh, comes up with an experiment utilizing sound. And residence yeah. mm-hmm. that allows yeah. him to open a rip in the space-time continuum. That and sounds that, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And all the, all the things that that leads to. But again, I mean, we really tr- tried to have, like, the equipment that he's using. We tried to base it on some of the things that we know about 19 hertz and infrasound. and um, and But, you know, all set to a really cool story that takes place with uh, their college kids. I yeah. Mean, come on, you know? Sounds college great. Audience, right. So. Wow. Larry, yeah. I'm excited. And lesbians, too. I know, yeah. See, that's why I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just imagining the influences that Larry might have, uh, some sort of strange, oh, you know. I was waiting for him to say it's like part sliders, part alf or something. Part alf. <laughs> <laughs> alf, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah, like Larry's a darker version alf. of alf. <laughs> Oh, man. So that's yeah. cool. Now, as I joked uh, earlier, you have a lot of uh, stuff going on. Um, I noticed here, like I'm, uh, I'm looking at uh, the paraexplorers.com, and it, it has it teases like three books coming up. And, and you already mentioned here something about time travel, too. So what 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 is this? Uh, it says Ghost, well, Spirits, anthologies. and Haunt. Yeah, what is this? Those are – our publishers did three – two of them are out. One's coming out in August. They're anthologies featuring some of the top writers in their field. One is about um, ghosts and hauntings. The other is about UFOs. Mm-hmm. 
and the third one is about lost civilizations. So people like Nick Redfern and um, uh, Stanton Friedman and, you know, just different uh, – Larry, who was the really big one for the lost civilization? Uh, Eric Von Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So we were all asked to write one chapter. Oh, that's cool. Book. So each book will have like 12 different chapters written by different people, so you get a real taste of all kinds of different theories and ideas. Nice. Yeah. It's like a poo-poo platter. There you go, poo-poo platter. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking oh, of poo-poo, did you see that article about the Japanese making steak out of poop? No. Did you? You did, Larry, I sent you that, didn't I? Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. My goodness. But it's true. Yeah, they want to make meat, meat products out of human feces. You Don't know. they have enough problems over there now that yeah, they eating exactly. feces is not really, you know, guess, shouldn't you know, be on the agenda? The cattle have all been irradiated, so they've got to come up. Oh, God, that's terrible. My God. It. Well, you know. It's... Anyway, I just had to throw that in because I knew you'd appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> says about what you think of me, but. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is this? You say you're working on a time travel book. What oh, is? God. I'm excited about this because. The the I love your books. We we know that. I've said that a million times. And but they're very cerebral in the sense that you know you really you really have to to work to understand this in a sense because it's so deep, it's so rich, it goes so far down the rabbit hole that it's an adventure, and it's on some of these topics. You know that uh, there's probably a turn of phrase that I I can't think of off the top of my head. But you know little things in life. Number three, eleven eleven numbers, deja vu. But with this time travel thing, this is like. Some it's cr- hard. This is crazy. Yeah, this is like it's a big, a big weird dog. Crazy. Well, actually, the publisher asked us if we would be interested in doing a book on the past, present, and future of time travel from a very scientific standpoint, um, because there hasn't been one definitive book. Yeah. In other words, there've been books like Michio Kaku has books where he has a chapter on time travel. Mm-hmm. Fred, Al- Fred Allen Wolf, whatever. Um, but. <laughs> I was complaining to Larry today. I mean, I'm I'm going nuts. This is hard, hard physics. And, you know, it's getting into such theoretical stuff that we, our job is to try to figure out a way to take that stuff that's hurting our heads right. and make it so that the average reader can figure out what's going on. And it, this is probably, the, for me, maybe not Larry, the toughest one I've ever written. What do you say, ever. Larry? <laughs> you know... It, I don't know. Maybe the toughest as far as from the, the research perspective, but as far as interesting and personal interest. Oh, no, I'm just talking about this. Yeah. Definitely ranks up there for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's fun the and research, exciting, but oh, Lord. Yeah, the research. I mean, there is a lot of there, – there's a lot of complex quantum physics stuff that, that you know, we're having to, to deal with and, and try to make it into simple top or simple – to understand yeah, it. you know, we have to understand it. So then the readers, but what I'm working on now is like a timeline of the change from, you know, classical Newtonian physics to quantum physics and where time travel fit in. Yeah. And it's like every time I find something, I find 10 more things and it's like, oh my God, now I got to make sure I get those in. You know, and I'm, yeah. Larry's going to have the same problem. We each will take like a couple of chapters and then we'll trade off and so each person gets to contribute to each chapter, but wow. Interesting. All right, yeah. now do you look at any – now I'm a moron. I mean we, we, this has been no, established over six years on the program. So what – have you <laughs> – do you look at any – I'm going to take it down the, the, the route of the, of the audience for, of, of Larry's lecture there down uh, in, yeah. in Atlanta or wherever he was doing the scientific uh, 
thing. Oh, is, where was that, Larry? Where, where was that, Larry? Yeah, over. so we can make sure uh, that we, anyone who... Oh, that's not. right. <laughs> I know where it was. I know where it was. Yeah, okay, so, yeah. So do, do you look at any... Do you look? I'm going to sensationalize this. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you look at any uh, you know famous time traveler stories? Because oh, absolutely. Yeah, we were actually asked not to to go heavy on the pop culture, but right. you can't talk about um, what's going on in time travel without getting into that. Because uh, you know, I read something today that kind of blew my mind. There was a and I and I don't have the names with me, but a science fiction writer in the 1940s came up with a theory that actually scientists 10 years later started to work on hmm. so we have to incorporate that plus it's fun yeah so, I, I also yeah. meant though like the you know the john teeter that whole story we're gonna go uh, for everything okay. yeah, we're gonna have yeah. we're gonna have the more fringe maverick crazy stuff as well because it's all you know who knows right who's gonna come up with the right theory exactly yeah did you see that thing a few years maybe a year ago about the time traveler yeah, in the, the Charlie Chaplin movie. Cell phone. Yeah. 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 Phone. yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a cross, yeah. but well, it just yeah, shows how popular this exactly because that thing went from like you know viral baby. Yeah, it turned into a huge <laughs> meme and everything. So it was it was pretty amazing to see that. You know, I think at the end of the day, the the mainstream they really want answers to all this, or like it titillates them in a way that they don't want to admit that yeah, the paranormal I totally does. Agree. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, there's been some weird conspiracy stuff that gets that goes viral. That it's like you have to be a brainless idiot to buy into that, and yet millions of people do. And I really Absolutely. think it's because they have nothing better to do with their lives than buy into something that makes them feel like they're involved in, you know, ooh, this big conspiracy. Well, they know more than you. They they are you know you, they're smart and you're dumb. That's the oh yeah. I got a lot of that during the. Uh, as I, I t- sort of alluded to, the, the whole Bin Laden thing. I mean, I, yeah. it's just I don't have time for people to lecture me about being a lemming or a sheep because they listen to Alex Jones three times. Oh, yeah. And, you they, know, they, you know, they know what's going on, and I don't. It's like, listen. But, Tim, you do know that Harp <laughs> is responsible for Bin Laden's death. I mean, you do know that, <laughs> right? I mean, the Illuminati used Harp. To kill Bin Laden. I mean, come on, don't you know? Well, it goes back to I, I was on uh, on Paratopia talking about this because it happened right after the Bin Laden thing, and I was just like, I had to go on a rant, as as Larry said, uh, and and you know, it's just like, hey, my attitude about all that after all these years of researching, the, you know, the Illuminati and the New World Order and everything is is that if if what everyone's saying is true in the conspiracy mm-hmm. community, then we're fucked. So just go, you know, and enjoy your life because you're never going to overthrow the New World Order. So, you know, stop complaining about it. God, they've been talking about the New <laughs> World Order since World War One. I. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh, anyway. Yeah. What are you going to do? You <laughs> no, know, just live your life. Have a blast. Have fun. Yeah. Just don't. Yeah. Just don't yell at me because I don't, you know, post exactly. 35 links to prisonplanet.com oh. on my Facebook page or but whatever. Tim, so, right. Come on. If it's on a YouTube, you know, it's real. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> so is there. <laughs> We didn't want. We didn't really give away the whole secret to the Trinity Secret. Obviously, we won't be able to get the book. But there is there sort of like any? Did well. First of all, it does sort of go down a a new agey sort of realm in it a way. Does, did you yeah. catch a lot of flack for that? Because no. I can imagine you might. <laughs> but no. No, actually, um, it went down a real metaphysical, almost self help angle. Mm-hmm. I I don't know about Larry. You can you can speak for yourself, but I've got nothing but high praise oh, from good. people in the religious community. 
um, the metaphysical, you know, because the way that we write, I mean, we don't write fluff. We back it up. You know, the, mm-hmm. the Trinity symbol is backed up by thousands of years of of evidence or whatever you want to call it. It's not like we are making this crap up. Right. And I've actually had a few people in the consciousness field just say, you know, until I read your book, I didn't get the Trinity. I get it now. And it's really sort of a an ancient way of looking at the law of attraction, the way that that things work via the law of attraction. So it's it's something new, but it's also very, very ancient. How about you, Larry? Did you get any flack down there in Arkansas? No, nothing negative, surprisingly. You would think being in the Bible Belt that there would be all kinds of uh, negative stuff, but no, not at all. And I've actually even spoken about it at several uh, different events here, and no, everything so far, so far has been very, very positive. Yeah, we were kind of surprised. We thought we might get flack for this one and I we've gotten more flack for 1111 and you know ooh the satanic you talked about numbers right. Those are evil science is evil what who did that who's I'm not going to say specifically but what, oh, tell God. me the story this, at I've least. gotten what? emails I I got death threats when I wrote science from fundamentalist Christians oh my god because I was you know propagating the idea that quantum physics could explain reality and oh no no only god and jesus could yeah it's hilarious but yeah we get i think 1111 was probably the only book that we got some crazy crap on weird what's this how could that that doesn't even make any sense because that i can't see anything in that book that would really well we have a chapter where we talk about it's not our theory sir martin reese talks about how the entire makeup of the universe can be whittled down to six mathematical ratios yeah. And how there seems to be some kind of intelligence behind that, but certainly not a human intelligence. Ooh, oh boy. You don't want to say stuff like that. Yeah. You know. Well, <laughs> God, I can't, well, you know. Because basically what you're saying is that the universe comes down to math, you know, not some religious miracle. Although it could be that as well. Right. Someone had to come up with the math. Yeah, but you know, I mean, if the world was only created, what, 6,000 years ago, then, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're sort well, of fucking the trend there. Yeah, well, you know, for some people, it's turtles all the way down. Oh, yeah. Hey, we have that picture <laughs> in one of our books. <laughs> the turtle picture. Oh, anyway. man. So, all right, yeah. So is there... I'm, I'm trying to avoid, like, spoiling the book here, but is there is there sort of any sort of, like, you say it goes down some self-help, but is there something that people can do to, you know, embrace yeah. or utilize the Trinity and, you know, give us a tease of it. Don't, you know, we want them to go out and get the book, so. What do I think the message that people could get out of the Trinity secret right. from a self-help perspective? Um, I think the biggest thing that they could get out of it probably would be, oh, gosh, you know, I know it's like you don't want to give it give it all away, but yeah, I'm trying to think exactly. I'm trying to think how to right. how to. Well, okay, I'll say I'll say something. Okay. You know, the the secret revolves around the fact that we are creators. That you know, our reality is our responsibility, and quantum physics backs it up. Um, but what we've done is we've given our power and our responsibility away to everything and everyone, you know, every institution, yeah. other people. What we're trying to do is get people to realize that this idea that we are creating our own reality as we go along, uh, and a lot of it's related to the observer effect in quantum physics, that this could change your life if you get that. 
and you, you go from there and understand how things are created. What is the process? There's three parts to it. We are embedded in that three-part process. Um, and it's again, kind of the, really, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, without giving it away, it, it's kind of the the next step, I guess you would say, in the in the secret. Uh, for those people who have, have kind of read yeah. the secret, it's kind of this, the next step. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I tiptoed around this, but we want to just sort of give people a taste, so they're not just like you heard them all talk right. about Trinity secret and what's the secret. <laughs> you know what? Exactly. I think people know in some sense. They just don't want to admit how you know how much power right. they have in their own lives and how much how they are responsible for all the crap, all the good stuff. I mean, our reality mirrors what we believe and what we think and what we intend. Exactly. If that's the case. The only way to change that is to change all of that stuff on the inside. Yeah. And there's a science to it, and that's what we wanted to do: is bring the, the two, you know, the metaphysical angle and the scientific angle, and bring them together. Nice, nice. We'll head to the end here because uh, things are going on, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know uh, you guys will be back again and again and again, so I'm not too oh, worried. Yeah. And again, absolutely, and again. exactly. And I'm going to play gas station attendant number two in uh, in the film. I hope. You can be one of the college students. How about that? We'll give hey. you like a total talking. You I'll know, get a line oh. in the movie. Yeah. And do you want me to work yeah. it so you're looking through the other window in the lesbian oh, show? Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. And then, 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 <laughs> yeah, then you and I see each other looking in the opposite windows oh, and God. scare that's each other and, like, yeah, run off. Awkward, right. There you go. Yeah. yeah that's the a little two awkward. stooges. <laughs> oh my god alright well, well we, we, we danced around it enough and, and, and folks should check it out to find out more uh, about the, uh, the the secret behind the Trinity Secret and as we said you can get it at Amazon Barnes and Noble and uh, you know brick and mortar bookstores so if there's any left geez. exactly yeah so go out and pick that up and, and what, what's the uh, what's the due date on the time travel book I think it'll be out the beginning of 2012 we're working on right. it now so any reissue of the uh, 20, of the 2013 book? I think we need to get that back in people's hands. No, really. They'll sell them like crazy. So, no. I mean, you know, my book is one of the only ones that's turning out to be true. So, no, it's still selling like crazy. Nice, nice. And how about upcoming uh, events? Now, bear in mind, this will be posted sometime in July. So, anything yeah. coming up in the fall or late summer uh, that, that we should know about? We're going to... Uh, be together again in Taos for the ASPE Paranormal Symposium in Taos, New Mexico. That's the end of October. And then, Larry, are you going to Dragon Con? Yep. Yeah, be he'll, he'll be Con. a Dragon Con. Nice, nice. They don't have any real dragons there, Larry, I've been told, so. Uh, they get surprised. pretty close. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Do they? Some of the pictures yep. I saw. I've wow. heard about this Dragon Con. Is it like? It's like Comic-Con, but it's for the yeah. South the south area. And they have some good... Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley goes there, too, I think, right? They had a paranormal uh-huh. track, but Larry's going to... You're going to do the writing track, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, Which I'm, I'm really cool. writing. Yeah. Nice, nice. So Larry will be at Comic... I mean, no, Dragon Con. I'm going to Comic Con next year. I'll be there next year. Well, hopefully I can drag Larry out, too. But, yeah, those are great because you really get to reach a whole different audience. Now, when you go to Comic Con, have you been to Comic Con before? Oh, yeah. Do you get, like, a table, or you just hang around well, walk around? Well, I will next year. I went with my son last year just as, you know, part of the, the insanity, and it was it was unreal. Interesting. It was unbelievable. 
Nice, yeah. I've never yeah. been there. It sounds cool, though. And you're right in San Diego, so it's like yeah. stone I mean, I think this year they sold 125,000 tickets. Wow. Man. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. we got to wow. go, Larry. Yeah, uh, hell yeah. Hey, I mean, if we're represented next year with a table, he's coming. Yeah, I'm going to have there. Yeah, we might even do have like a booth for um, 19 hertz. Yeah, that's what I was that wondering. That would be yeah. really cool. Yeah. Nice, nice. All right, sounds good. And, of course, people can find out more from you guys at paraexplorers.com. The conversation started out on one on one note and, and sort of just went down the road here with, with Larry and Marie, and that's what I was really looking forward to all day today oh, as I was too. getting ready God, to I know. do this <laughs> And, yeah, you know, we, we, we were tough on some, some people and some groups and some genres out there, but, you know, it's nothing they haven't heard before and it's nothing they don't yeah. need to hear. Exactly. So, you know, and, and if, if people want to rebut, you know, fire away. Happy to hear from you. Yep. There you go. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> uh, once again, thank you guys for coming back on the show. Obviously, we're going to do it again sometime. There's absolutely no concern on my end regarding that, and I can't wait to do that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, have a great rest of your summer, and, and we'll be in touch. You too. And if you come to San Diego, let me know. Absolutely. We'll uh, yeah. hang out and have some beers and, uh, you know, prank phone absolutely. call Larry. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, too. All right. You guys take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That does it for this installment of BOA Audio Season 6. Big, big thanks to my good buddies Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman for coming back on the show and for being so candid during that conversation. You can find out more from them at the website, www.paraexplorers.com. And, of course, you want to be sure to check out their books, 1111, The Time Prompt Phenomenon, The Deja Vu Enigma, the Resonance Key, and the latest tome from the Para Explorers, The Trinity Secret. Check them out. Moving right along now, it's time for BOA Audio listener feedback. But since we are very late with this edition of the program, we're going to skip listener feedback this time around because I want to get the episode out to you as soon as possible. I will say, though, that we got a ton of interesting feedback regarding the Larry E. Arnold episode of BOA Audio that we recently posted, which covered, of course, spontaneous human combustion. Seemed like a lot of folks took umbrage with Larry's style of referring to himself as we or us, and I thought that was kind of interesting. A lot of folks sort of uh, felt the need to dismiss Larry as a result of the way he talked, and others seem to think that it was some kind of affectation on the part of Larry that he was purposely doing. I'm of the opinion that it was really just something that he has been doing quite a long time, and he wasn't consciously trying to refer to himself in the first-person plural. I have a feeling that we're going to be talking to Larry Arnold again sometime in the future, and there's a very, very good chance that we will explore this whole enigma more when we get him on the show again, because it seemed to really resonate with a lot of listeners. A lot of people pointed it out. It seemed to be the biggest thing that they talked about, which is disappointing, I think, in a way, because really, I found the whole SpawnCom discussion to be tremendous and fascinating, but that's really my take on the whole thing. I don't think Larry was doing it on purpose. I just think that's the way he talks. And it was uh, very interesting. Caught me by surprise. I didn't know this going into the interview. So as I was talking to him, I was 
completely blown away by it, and that's why we addressed it right away at the beginning of the show. Nonetheless, that's the gist here of BOA Audio Listener Feedback this week. I also got an email from someone asking where William Zabel is. Once again, I just get emails all the time from people asking about William Zabel. We don't know where William Zabel is. He has not responded to my emails and phone calls now for many years. I would like to get a hold of him. Believe me, if I could, he would be on the program immediately. But as of right now, I know absolutely nothing about the location and whereabouts of William Zabel. He could be dead for all I know. I have no idea where he is or what's going on. But I will try to get a hold of him once again. I try every few months and I don't hear back from him. But I'll give it another try in a few weeks or months and report back to you if anything interesting comes from that. In the interim, if you want to get in touch with me here for BOA Audio Listener Feedback or you just want to shoot me a line to correspond, you can write to me at boaaudio at hotmail.com or go to banalofamerica.com, B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com and click the contact button. And of course, the final method is to join up at the official BOA forum, the US of E.com, T H E U S O F E.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter. Just punch in Benal, B-I-N-N-A-L-L, into the search engine, and I will pop up right away. Follow me, befriend me, poke me. It's all good, and we'd love to have you as part of BOA's online circle of friends. Up next, allow me to offer thanks to the outstanding and esteemed BOA staff, Leslie, Chiron, Regan Lee, Joe V, Tina Senna, Rochelle Hawks, Richard Thomas, Marla Pena, Bruce Pretty, Tony Morrill, our contributing cartoonist Andy Carolan, and our webmaster Jeremy Boston. Lots of good stuff up at the BOA website via the amazing BOA staff. Be sure to check it out. We say it all the time here at the end of the program. And it is true, my friends, if you're only listening to BOA audio and you're not reading the columns at Been All of America, then you're only getting half the story. BOA, make it a part of your everyday search esoteric news and opinion. Now comes the time of the program where I take my hat off and pass it around to the audience and ask you to make a donation to Banal of America and BOA Audio. I know now more than ever times are very tough and very uh, unsettling with the economy the way it is, but I know a lot of folks out there have some disposable income as well and hopefully they can chip in a little bit and help us pay the bills here at Banal of America. How do you do that? That's simple. You just go to banalofamerica.com and click the PayPal button. They'll walk you through the process. It's simple, it's safe, and it is secure. But maybe you don't trust those folks at PayPal. Maybe you don't trust the Internet in general. Who blames you? I don't. I don't trust the Internet, and I'm a big part of it myself. So how can you make a donation if you don't trust the Internet? Well, that's easy. We made it easy for you because we got ourselves a P.O. box. Here is the address for that. Tim Benall, P.O. Box 232, Pinehurst, Mass, 01866. And you spell Pinehurst, P-I-N-E-H-U-R-S-T. So altogether, once more, it is Tim Benall, P.O. Box 232, Pinehurst, Mass, 01866. And if you send us a donation, please make your donation payable to Tim Benall and not Benall of America because my bank is anal and they will not cash those checks. 
And if you're going to shoot me a line, please include your email address so I can get in touch with you. And thank you for your donation or your correspondence. As always, my friends, no donation is too small, and all donations go towards Vanilla of America and BOA Audio to help keep the entire franchise up and running, freely available, and commercial-free for all of our great readers and listeners the world over. Next week on the program, we have a very enlightening conversation lined up for you. I literally just got off the phone taping this interview just now. Our guest is going to be Kathleen Martin. She is the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. And we're going to be talking all about the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, which is coming up on its 50th anniversary later on in September, and is a big, big focal point of the upcoming Exeter UFO Festival in Exeter, New Hampshire. Since Kathleen is an integral part of the big Exeter UFO Festival, and this interview serves a dual purpose to not only inform people about the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case, but also to help promote the big event, we will almost certainly have the episode out for you or by around this time next week. In short, we're going to be hearing all about the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case. Kathleen was right there on the front lines throughout it. She was really so amazingly close to this case, it's unbelievable. Now, obviously, I haven't sat down to edit the episode. I literally just got off the phone taping the show. But I can tell you also that it was one of the strangest interviews that I've ever done because this one was plagued by telephone technical difficulties. And I'm somebody that spends a lot of time on the telephone, never run into these kind of issues. But here on the phone with Kathleen Martin, we were just plagued by technical problems. And strangely enough, they seem to come up during the more controversial aspects of the Betty and Barney Hill case. So I don't know. Make of that what you will. I'm not sure how much of that I'm going to include in the show because I don't think you want to hear dead air for a minute while I'm trying to figure out what happened to the phone line. But we'll work a way around it to make sure people understand just how strange all this was. So that's next week on Banal of America Audio. Kathleen Martin talking about the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case. Stay tuned to BOA for that. As I said, hoping to get it to you by August 30th or 31st at the very, very latest. And on that note, we close the book on this edition of BOA Audio. Thanks once again to Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman for coming back on the show. And, of course, big, big thanks to all you folks out there, the hardcore BOA Audio listeners, the folks who stick around all the way to the end, the folks who anxiously await each new episode, no matter how long it takes us to get it posted. I thank you humbly for your support of this program and the BOA franchise as a whole. Stay tuned. We've got tons of awesome stuff lined up for you in the weeks and months to come and some big, big plans for 2012 that I cannot discuss yet, but will blow your mind. And all that is, of course, thanks to the hardcore BOA audio listeners and the BOA audio listeners in general who have been so vehement in their support of the program. You guys are the best. You are the fuel that drives the BOA mothership. Thank you for making BOA Audio a part of your esoteric audio playlist. Until next time, this is Tim Benall, thanking you for listening and signing off.